Hello and welcome to the Connectology podcast. Here, Road Knight Taylor's influential team of elite connection specialists and their expert guests help you to better understand distribution and transmission network connections and how to acquire them faster, for less cost and at lower risk. I'm Hugh Taylor, CEO at Road Knight Taylor. And for those of you who don't know us yet, we're the independent specialist grid consultancy and our connectologists help a roll call of the UK's leading developers and investors in commercial, industrial and energy developments to significantly outperform their peers, as well as helping intensive energy users to get the connections they need to decarbonise their operations and public sector clients striving to enable economic and housing growth. Today we're talking about tertiary connections. The dash for transmission started really with the developer community seeking these specific connection opportunities and a lot are now being secured and transacted. Given these are always idiosyncratic connections, I'm joined today by Pete Aston to discuss what a development director or investment director should know about them. Pete is one of Road Knight Taylor's connectologists and joined us last year from Western Power Distribution, now National Grid Electricity Distribution, where he headed up the system planning function. So he's responsible for all connections to the extra high voltage network or impacting on the extra high voltage network across all four of WPD's uh, license areas, responsible for some 500 connection offers going out each year. And he, uh, very importantly, was also responsible for the relationship with National Grid across the distribution transmission boundary at each of WPD's grid supply points. So, Pete, um, welcome. Um, And uh, good. And so I I thought I would uh, just start, um, let's start things very simply um, by asking you, um, what is um, a tertiary connection? Right. Yes, it's um, definitely the first the first thing to try and dig into. So the uh, tertiary connection is really a connection onto a transformer. Um, so uh, most transformers have uh, what are called t- t- windings. So um, sort of windings of copper cables around an iron core. Uh, so there's generally a primary winding, the, the high voltage side coming in, and a secondary winding, the lower voltage side coming out the other side. Uh, and the idea, whole idea of a transformer is changing voltage from one side to the other. Um, a tertiary connection is simply a third winding on a transformer. Um, this ends, ends up getting used for various different things. Uh, so on national grid transformers, uh, so typically 400 kV to 132 kV transformers, um, uh, the, called supergrid transformers, uh, there is often a third winding, a tertiary winding on those transformers. So, so that's essentially what a tertiary winding is. Um, connections to uh, those tertiary windings on those supergrid transformers are sort of generically referred to as tertiary connections. Uh, so that's what we're talking about. It's, it's a connection to a transformer that is owned by National Grid. The maximum rating that you can normally get from uh, one of those tertiary connections is about 60 MBA. That is the absolute limit. So uh, you'll see most tertiary connections are sort of 50 megawatts, um, 55 megawatts um, capped at then 60 MBA. 
Great, thanks. Um, and I should uh, mention that you have actually written a, a great blog explaining uh, what a tertiary connection is. So we'll put a link to that um, in the description as well. So thank you very m- much for that. That was very clear. Um, and so what are, so they're obviously very popular, but what are the advantages of these tertiary connections? So I, I think the reason that so many um, tertiary connections were sort of explored um, in the first place uh, was because there's lots of availability. There's there's hundreds and hundreds of um, super good transformers uh, around the, the country. So lots of options uh, sort of right the way across the, the country. So I think that's one positive to it, uh, that there's uh, lots of opportunities to connect into them. Uh, I think some of the one of the main advantages of a tertiary connection um, is is the the consistency of the solution that you can find um so connecting into any tertiary uh winding of a supercool transformer you're going to get pretty much the same solution so for for developers who are looking to connect into tertiary windings um that they can pretty much get one sort of standard set of designs drawn up um and and they know what they're going to get they're going to get common costs for each of these connections um, so I think I think those that that's that is the main advantage of of the tertiary windings is really is around that consistency piece um, and commonality. And there has been an awful lot of activity uh, around these. Um, so just how many are there, um, both uh, in terms of tertiary connections that are connected, um, but also in the development pipeline where they've um, accepted connection offers um, from National Grid. Yeah, so in terms of connected numbers, there really isn't very many tertiary windings actually connected at the moment. Um, so I, it, it's it's in the region of three to five tertiary connections have already been made across the country. So really not very many. So there's, there's not a lot of uh, experience out there as to how these are done. Um, but in the pipeline, there's maybe in the order of something like 150 um, tertiary windings out there that have been accepted by uh, developers and that are being waiting to, to be developed, uh, to be built. Um, uh, some, some of them will be going through the planning process. Some of them will just be sitting there uh, with, with capacity being held. Um, so if there's about 150 in the pipeline and each of them are about 50 megawatts, that's uh, 7,500 megawatts worth of capacity, seven and a half gigawatts worth of capacity. Um, sitting there in accepted offers for tertiary winding connections. So it's quite significant. That is absolutely huge. And and obviously there are some some very famous ones. Um, Pivot Power have connected um, their 50 megawatt battery, which I think they've got an EV charging hub and they're um, hanging some other technologies off there as well. Um, and that's um, uh, Oxford. And so there are some of these that are actually being developed. Um, and, you know, it's an exciting um, development, um, I guess, in its own way. Um, but you have actually highlighted that there are some um, some challenges associated with these the, with these connections. So what are the main issues with tertiary connections? The first one to highlight is really around constraints. So um, a, a tertiary winding connection is obviously made, as I was describing a bit earlier, into uh, a supercool transformer. So any time that supercool tra- transformer goes off supply, um, so that could be for you know, regular maintenance every year, um, could be for a fault, something along those lines, um, that, that tertiary connection becomes unavailable. Um, now, that's, that, that could be quite significant. A uh, maintenance for supercool transformers, you know, is definitely in the 
many days every um, every year. It could be weeks, um, you know, a, a few weeks worth of maintenance uh, for a long maintenance period. If a super transformer had, uh, a, had happened to fault, um, getting a replacement super transformer could take, you know, easily six to 12 months. Um, so, you know, the, the risk of long-term outage um, is quite significant. Um, so that's on the simplest of the tertiary winding connections. Good stuff, Pete. Thank you. Let's pick that back up straight after this. If you're liking this podcast so far, you may want to pop over to the Connectology page on Road Knight Taylor's website and sign up to the Connectology newsletter for much more know-how, insight and thought leadership in electricity network connections. The link to this is in the description. Don't miss out on any of the articles, explainers, videos, webinars, and podcasts that Road Knight Taylor's connectologists share to give you an edge and help you overcome your grid frustrations. As they get more complex, um, some of these tertiary winding connections are actually connected into supergrid transformers, which are themselves connected into circuits, um, transmission circuits, so 400 or 275 kV circuits. Um, and anytime those circuits then trip off, they, they will also trip off the supergrid transformer as well. Um, so, so your risk is not just then associated with the supergrid transformer, but with the circuit. And so circuits um, can be prone to things like lightning strikes and so on. So you can get some um, uh, more risk on those. Uh, and then it can get even worse still, whereby um, the you're not sort of physically tripped off for an outage of something that you're connected to, but if something else, some other asset in the in the substation uh, gets tripped off or gets switched out, um, you will just be turned off because uh, what National Grid will have modelled is that if, if one of the other transforms in the substation is switched out, uh, you have to be switched out as well just because of uh, capacity issues. Um, so, so some of these, um, and this isn't just hypothetical, you know, we've, we've, we've looked at... Um, done sort of due diligence work for developers and, and looked at these connections for them. And this is the sort of thing that we're seeing um, on, on some of these offers that have come through. So some of them have got quite high risks associated with them. So, so that, that's the main one is really around the constraints. Um, second one's around cost. Um, the cost of a, of a tertiary winding connection um, it, for that's, that's offered by National Grid is currently around three and a half million. Um, and as we all know, prices are, are only on the rise at the moment. Um, so for that three and a half million pounds, all you get is a connection to the to the tertiary winding plus a step up transformer. So these tertiary windings are uh, kick out the voltage at 13 kV. So what you need is a, a step up transformer to go from 13 kV, one three up to 33 kV. Um, uh, and then uh, and then that's it. That's what you get for your three and a half million. So it's quite a lot. And then on top of that, you've got to add on your 33 kV cable route. So it's OK if your uh, your site is right next door to a grid supply point where these transformers are. But if you've got any significant length of cable, you're going to add on top of that um, three and a half million. So um, costs can can ramp up quite significantly with these. And, and also, if you if you can't actually deliver your full 50 megawatts on your site, so, for example, you don't get planning permission for... A, you know all of the solar you wanted to install or all of your battery system or whatever um, and, and your megawatts come down your your pounds per megawatt values that suddenly starts to creep up quite quickly so so they're the first two constraints and costs um, next would be just highlighting the fact that when you connect into a uh, 
uh, tertiary winding, you have a transmission connection. So um, even though it's only at 33 kV, you actually have a transmission connection. So you have to sign up to the balancing mechanism uh, and you end up paying uh, transmission network use of system charge to NEOS. Um, so, so some of those things can be quite useful to, to sort of um, have that access to the transmission markets, uh, but also can be quite costly uh, as well. Um, I think the fourth thing to highlight um, would be um, build timescales. So obviously you are relating to relying on national grid to, to do the work for you. So even though the, the voltage of the works only 13 kV and 33 kV, it's happening within a 400 kV substation. So it can take national grid quite a long time to program the work in um, and just take them a long time to actually deliver the work as well. Um, so, so that can be quite significant. And then it's just worth pointing out ownership as well. National Grid end up retaining ownership of the 13 to 33 kV step-up transformer. So that transformer needs to be to their specification, which is one of the reasons why it ends up being a very expensive connection. And then I think the last thing to mention is just around third-party works. So you're connecting as a tertiary winding connection into National Grid's uh, network, but what National Grid will have to do is look to see if there are any third parties who are impacted by your connection. Uh, the main third parties who are impacted by tertiary connections will be distribution network operators, uh, DNOs, um, so normally National Grid will have to have some sort of consultation process with DNOs to see whether your tertiary connection is going to affect capacity on the DNO network. Um, and then sort of to work through that. Uh, and th there could be times when you actually end up triggering works on the DNO network as well. Um, so that is definitely worth something to, to just bear in mind. So I think, Hugh, they are the main things to highlight in terms of sort of constraints and issues. That's quite comprehensive. And, and there are obviously it's a, there are quite a number of risks in there. If we just go back to that outage risk, and you mentioned that if there are multiple assets, so multiple um, supergrid transformers within a grid site that um, potentially you could be out if there's um, an outage or some maintenance work on 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 another transformer. Um, so a couple of things. First of all, how many of these supergrid transformers do you tend to get on a, a single site? And also, is there any way of actually um, estimating the level of outage risk in order that so when we're carrying out due diligence for example for somebody who's looking to acquire a site so they can get a really good bead we know that there is an issue but um can can you help them to actually understand that level of risk yeah okay so to deal with your first question so how many transformers are there often on these sites um typically grid supply points will have some somewhere between two and four transformers um you'll find the odd few uh, grid supply points with one transformer and a few with five or six transformers. But, you know, the two to four mark is, is tends to be the average. Um, and, and, you know, so, so one of the, one of the schemes we did end up looking at um, was at a site where there were four transformers and um, there was an outage risk for that tertiary connection um, in relation to each of those four transformers. So, so that was quite significant. And then in assessing the impact, um, the, the thing that we would do is to look at sort of average times of maintenance to start with uh, and go, you know, that there's sort of a regular annual maintenance um, 
and then there'll be a, a more major maintenance once every three years um, and they've got different uh, different sort of time periods uh, as to how long those those maintenance uh, periods take and so you, so you can sort of give a sense um, by, by adding up some of those uh, re regular outage periods to say well at the very least you, your your risk over a, you know a three-year cycle maintenance cycle would be x days or weeks sure so you can look at that that cumulative that cumulative risk across each of the supergrid transformers on on that one side that that's right so looking at the cumulative risk uh, and then like i said if if there are um circuits connect or the supergrid transformers are connected to circuits that gets a little bit more complex because um you then have to be looking at well how how often is that circuit going to be switched out on a regular basis um you know things like tower painting happen, uh, reconductoring where where the old con older conductors are taken down and new ones are put up, um, all, all that sort of thing needs to be factored in into these sorts of calculations. Um, so so you know we 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 can give clients sort of a, a a general sense of that and and in collaboration with National Grid come up with some you know sensible numbers as to what that really looks like you know realistic numbers. Um, and I think that's really important before a before a developer comes to invest in a project like this. Sure, absolutely, because they are very significant investments. Um, uh, listen, Pete, that that was that was really good. That was um, really clear. Um, thank you very much for for answering those questions and and sharing that with us. Um, and uh, we uh, look forward to uh, your your next podcast, which is um, which is uh, coming up very soon. So um, thank you so much for that. No problems. Thanks you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Connectology podcast. If you found it helpful, please share it with any of your colleagues or connections you think may be interested. And please do subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your content. You can find out more about our services at roadnighttaylor.co.uk, link in the description, where you can also sign up to our free Connectology newsletter for more news and thought leadership in network connections. If, during this podcast, you found yourself wondering what it would be like to have a Road Knight Taylor connectologist in your life, please do email laura at roadnighttaylor.co.uk to find out how their game-changing skills and insight can change the game for you too.